Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Opus Private Clients Well Style Podcast. My name is Yvonne Watanabe. I'm excited today to have on one of my colleagues, Jim Ryan, fellow Holy Cross grad. Very excited to have you on, Jim. What's going on? Hey, great to be here. Uh, so today we're going to talk about a really important concept, but a really confusing one, uh, Medicare. And Jim, as our resident Medicare expert at the firm, uh, really excited to have you on. Uh, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit more about you? Sure. Well, and in addition to uh, graduating from Holy Cross a long time before you, I worked at, uh, for starters, at Blue Cross, and then I became a long-term care specialist for a very long time. So let's just say I've been steeped in the world of, let's call it Medicare and anything in that senior market for probably the better part of 20 years. Um, it wasn't really until I came to Opus and uh, Opus clients demanded a certain level of, let's call it, concierge service around the, the topic of Medicare, where I've actually consider myself a Medicare specialist. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and I, and uh, I do it, feel very good about my job security because you're right. Everybody finds Medicare to be very confusing. <laughs> and why do you think it is so confusing for folks? I mean, what, what makes it really confusing? Well, well look at yourself. How, how do you pick your health insurance every year? Um, I take a look at my plan. Am I somebody that needs to go to the doctor often? Are we family planning? Is there anything in particular that I need to be aware of? Take a look at my health insurance plan and just kind of pick and premium. Right. You, you, and your employer, your employer does most of the work for you. They, and, right. and you're very thorough. So you, you're, you're the, probably do a lot more work or thought into it than the regular person. But the regular person spends 50 years and everything is kind of spoon fed to them on the health insurance front. Now they have one or two options. They might have to be between jobs for a certain period of time where they have COBRA. Um, but for the most part, you have someone holding your hand. And then you turn 65 or whenever it is that you retire, and basically you're thrown to the wolves. Okay, figure out how you get Medicare, figure out what kind of supplemental coverage, and then pick a drug plan. And for most people, they find it overwhelming. Right. And, and at what point in time do people start to consider Medicare? When should people, when, when do they typically, and when should they start to consider, you know, looking into their Medicare options? The base, the earliest that you could qualify for Medicare is the first of the month of the month that you turn 65. So about three months before you turn 65, you start becoming inundated with mail. And the mail is all designed to scare you, comes from the Medicare uh, supplemental and advantage carriers. And they basically say, you better sign up for Medicare before you turn 65, or it's the end of the world, because there's going to be penalties, there's going to be waiting periods. That's not necessarily the case. So the earliest you could sign up would be 65. But if you are with a company that has more than 20 employees, and you have group health insurance through that company, there's no rush. So as long as you keep that coverage, the, car the company can't, the employer can't change your benefits. You have the exact same benefits as anyone who's under 65. 
and you can keep it as long as you'd like. And whenever you do decide, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to drop the coverage. I'm ready to move to Medicare. You have what's called a special enrollment period where you can drop the group coverage, pick up Medicare without any kind of penalties, without any kind of waiting periods. And I would say that's the first big decision that people have to make with Medicare, which is, okay, when do I actually make the transition? When do I drop my group plan? Uh, sometimes you would so the, definitely so the first, not do it. Sorry. So the, so the first piece is if I'm retired, the earliest I can do it is 65. And if I'm still working, it's whenever I decide to leave my employer plan and, and technically retire post 65. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So if, if you retired before 65, well, then you're, you're having a party the day you turn 65 because things are a lot better for you when you have Medicare underlying that underneath that coverage. Um, but if let's say you're, you're, you're married and your spouse is two or three younger, two or three year, years younger than you, well, you're going to stay on that group health plan for as long as you can to make sure that the spouse becomes 65 as well before you decide you're ready to make that move. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And, and that, that really is the sense. part that confuses a lot of people, which is, okay, when do I have to do it? And, you know, you, you hear a lot of people who maybe do it too early and then you have people who don't do it. If you, if you turn 65 and you didn't have group health insurance and you didn't have Medicare, then you're going to be facing some pretty steep penalties and some pretty severe waiting periods. So that you don't want to do. And most clients don't want to go without coverage for any period of time. They don't plan on that. Uh, but we do see people who sign up too early. They say, I just want to be sure I want to have A and B in place. And when I say A and B, Medicare Part A and B in place, just in case. Well, that's not a smart plan. If you're on your group health plan and your company with more than 20 employees, no rush to make that move. Got it. And you, you mentioned Medicare Part A and Part B. Uh, for those who don't know or are still kind of confused about it, can you just explain the difference between Part A and Part B? Sure. So Medicare Part A is your hospital coverage. No monthly premium for that. Medicare Part B is your medical coverage. So that pays for doctors, labs, anything that's skilled in nature. And that does have a monthly premium. And the monthly premium is actually means tested. So the more money you make, the higher your Medicare Part B premium is going to be. And those are, those are what we call traditional Medicare or original Medicare. And that's really, you. sometimes you can sign up for Part A at age 65 because there's no monthly premium. And you might want to have that as secondary to your group health plan. But Medicare Part B, you don't sign up for that because there is a monthly premium until you're really ready to leave your group health plan. Okay, so the Medicare Part B is really the, the section that people may be, may be electing it a little bit too early um, and starting to pay that too early when they don't, where they may not not necessarily need to be. Is that is that fair? Yeah. So they may sign up. They say, okay, let me just sign up just in case. No reason to pay that Part B premium until you absolutely have to. And the other mistake we see, and I see clients make this all the time, is they sign up for Medicare Part B. And back to the point that it's means tested, they say, okay, I'm retiring. I'm signing up for Medicare Part B, and it's 2021. Well, Social Security is going to look at your tax returns from two years ago, and they're going to say, you made a lot of money two years ago. You were making, I'm going to make up a number, half a million dollars. They're going to set your Medicare Part B premium based on what you what your tax returns from two years show. Now, you may be retired and your income might be one-fourth of what it was before, or whatever it may be, cut in half. You need to appeal that. And I help people every day of the week fill out the, the paperwork. It's very simple. But if you don't appeal that premium, you're stuck at that higher level. And sometimes people don't even know because Medicare Part B premiums are paid from Social Security. So that's really something that we're, we emphasize with all of our clients. Okay, let's make sure we appeal that Part B premium 
because you might be looking at a lot lower than what you were making, say, two years ago. Yeah, I think that's incredibly invaluable for people to know, right? That there, that there are options available to you to reduce that premium if, you know, again, your your previous income. Because in most scenarios, right, especially for our client base, you know, they're making significant income, and then the next day, as after they they retire, they're starting to pull income sources from their retirement assets, but you know, typically it's not at the same gross level as their previous income. So having right. the ability to appeal that is huge. But I imagine that the paperwork is extremely daunting without somebody like you uh, walking them through it. Yeah. Well, and actually the paperwork is pretty simple and you don't even need to prove it. You just have to sign saying this is in fact my income going forward. But just to give an idea of the difference, someone who's making at the highest income level could be paying upwards to $600 per month for a Medicare Part B and what they call a, a surcharge or an income-related monthly adjustment on the Part D plan. So you're paying about $600 per month. If your income as a couple is under $170,000, so you can still make a very nice retirement income, but be considered mm -hmm. at the base Medicare Part B premium, you go from $600 a month to $145 per month. It's a gigantic drop. And now you double it for a husband and wife or for a couple. Um, so if you're paying that extra premium for a number of years, all of a sudden you're making, you know, the, the twenty or thirty thousand dollar mistake. It it's a big deal to not uh, appeal your Part B premium. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. That's huge. What what other mistakes are you seeing folks making as they either go through the process or have already selected their plans? Sure. So uh, I, I I get very technical with people and say Cobra is bad. Whenever you have Medicare, you don't want to be on Cobra. So let's take that person who retires and says I'm I'm, I'm retiring and I want to take six months off, I don't want to think about anything. Let me just pick up COBRA. And that sounds like a nice thing to do. Okay, you'll pick up COBRA, you'll pay your, your, your premium to the employer, you'll have the same coverage for six months. Medicare doesn't recognize that coverage is credible coverage. So whereas I said earlier, you can drop your group health plan at any time, you get a special enrollment period, things are fine, you move on to Medicare. Well, if you're in COBRA, so let's say you, you do the COBRA for the full 18 months, Medicare is going to say you did not have creditable coverage for 18 months. Number one, when a claim comes in, Medicare Part A and Part B has to be primary. So you could be on the hook for 80% of the claim because that's what Medicare, generally speaking, would pay. So the carrier is going to say, we assume that Medicare paid 80%. We're only going to pay 20%. Right off the bat, that's a big mistake. And the second thing is when you drop COBRA, they're going to say, well, you didn't really drop creditable coverage last month you dropped it 18 months ago when you left the employer plan now uh, you have penalties now you have waiting periods that's a disaster so the we all know what cobra is and we think okay let me be smart let me take my time let me move to cobra don't do that with medicare you, it, it very rarely makes sense for someone to take cobra when they're medicare eligible wow so cobra does not count as as eligible coverage or accurate or appropriate coverage to bridge the gap until they select Medicare. That I, I didn't know that. That's uh that that's gonna be a big mistake that people, you know, make all the time. It's a it's it's that and the not appealing the Part B premium is a is a mistake that people would say, well how is a regular person supposed to know that? And that's where, you know, back to my job security, I feel really good about it because so many of these rules you kind of shake your head and say, why, why is that? It's still health insurance. It's still just as good as it was before. Well, those are the rules. And, and unfortunately, if you don't follow them, you can, be on a, you can find yourself facing some huge costs. 
Right. Anything else to add on sort of the, the basic part A, part B that you want the audience to know about? Uh, well, it, it there are some other things to think about with part A and, and when it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense. The conventional wisdom is you might as well sign up for part A when you turn 65 because there's no monthly premium for it. And it gets you in the system and gets your Medicare ID number. And, and that's great. And that's what I would advise, except if you have a health savings account. Because if you have a health savings account, as soon as you sign up for Medicare Part A, you don't make you you're no longer able to make additional contributions to that HSA. So, I mean, you know the deal with HSAs; they're the best tax treatment. Yep. You know, money goes in, grows tax free. Everything's great as long as you can keep making those contributions, keep making them. No reason to pick up Medicare Part A prematurely to preclude you from making those contributions. So, continue to make those. You want to continue to make those HSA contributions. Got it age 65 is kind of that you should really sit down and say, okay, what are those things I have to think about at 65? And I tell people, again, the mail is going to force you to do it because you're going to get so much mail saying you have to do something. You really want to, you know, I work with a lot of companies who bring me in as their Medicare specialist. I also do a lot of disability insurance. And I kind of look at age, age 65 as, okay, we have that age 65 conversation. Let's figure out if we do Medicare part A, part B or nothing. Uh, Let's figure out our disability insurance. Maybe we don't want to protect our income anymore. Maybe it's really important to protect our income. But at age 65, typically the benefit periods change. Um, sometimes they renew with different rates. So it's it's important to kind of look at that. Okay, I'm 65. What do I have to figure out? I have to figure out my health insurance. I have to figure out my situation with my income protection. And then everybody always wants to have that Social Security conversation, which for the most right. part, you're still working. Let's hold off on on applying for Social Security prematurely. We don't want to have any penalties there. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting. And then everything as, as is you... a caveat. <laughs> everything could be an exception. You know, we could say, well, you, your health is bad or, or you definitely want to drop the disability insurance. You definitely want to keep it. You know, everybody's situation is different. So I really call that, okay, here's that age 65 conversation. Let's look at things for you, not the conventional wisdom. What's my wisdom. Right. Right. What, what, what actually applies for that, for that particular person situation or family situation versus everyone else. Um, you, you bring up a, a right. something that, um, you know, as, as we talk to HR professionals and, and we do corporate benefits, we, we often have the conversation around how do we improve a company's corporate benefits, right? Um, mm -hmm. And one of the one of the massive benefits that you've been able to, to implement for folks are these programs to review supplemental disability insurance and, and also review you know, Medicare options. Can you talk to the audience a little bit about what those pro what those programs entail and and, uh, and and what that means? Sure. Well, the supplemental disability programs is something we've been doing at Opus for probably about 12 years. And really, it's it's people take out individual disability insurance on top of their group LTD. Uh, where it interacts with Medicare is back to that age 65. Um, so there are already people we know. There are already clients they're already, we want to have that conversation at 65. So we're able to add a little bit more value because now we can speak to, okay, here's the things you have to think about with Medicare. Because again, people can make some pretty big mistakes on the Medicare front. And if you're an HR person, your plate is already filled. You, you don't want to have to have to become an expert in Medicare. And I will tell you, you know, people spend an enormous amount of tr time trying to figure it out. We want to lift that burden from the HR department. We want to basically be there and say, okay, when someone has a, and, and I could tell you when an email comes in from someone and, and it's an HR person and the email comes at a 9.03 in the morning, that person forwards that email to me at 9.04 
because they basically say, good, I don't want to have to handle this. And, and then and the other thing as an employer, you got to be careful. You can't incentivize people to leave a group health plan. You have to pay, 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 treat people the same under age 65 and over age 65. So that's really a conversation that you want to have a third party to come in and say, okay, here's the options for your group plan. Here's your options for Medicare. Let's make an informed decision without having to be worried as the employer that you're going to be incentivizing someone or trying to push them off the group health plan, which is where you get into trouble. Right. And, you know, again, I think that's such a massive benefit for employees because they're, again, waiting through this, trying to figure out what the heck is going on, trying to figure out what their options look like. And, and that's obviously stressful for them. And then taking the onus off of HR, because frankly, like you said, they don't want to be, they don't want to become a Medicare expert. They've got enough going on. Um, and those questions typically land on the employer and HR if, if uh, somebody like you doesn't exist in, in their, uh, in their company. So yeah, you know, I think and, that's, and a, that's people a still look to benefit. their employer for answers. Right. Right. Jim, can you talk a little bit about some of the other supplemental plans? So we talked about Medicare Part A, Part B. What are some of the other things that folks are, need to sign up for or should consider signing up for? Um, and again, some of the, 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 the best practices as it relates to that. Yeah. So you, you're back to the two big questions that people have to answer is, okay, when do I move to Medicare? So that we talked about is really when you leave the employer plan. The second big question is, okay, now I'm on Medicare. I'm off my group health plan. The biggest decision is, am I going to be someone who takes out a Medicare supplemental plan or am I going to be someone who takes out a Medicare Advantage plan? Supplemental plan, you're going to pay an extra monthly premium and you're going to be able to see any doctor you want at any time. So no networks, uh, no referrals, no primary care physicians. You basically say, look, it's important for me to be able to go wherever I want. You take out a supplemental plan and you would have to take out what they call a standalone Part D, which is a prescription drug plan. So just to add a little bit of confusion, you get your A and B through Social Security, you get your supplemental plan and your Medicare Part D plan directly with the carrier. And that's something I walk people through all the time. The second option, so you have supplemental plan would be, let's call it option one. Option two would be someone who says, my priority is to keep my costs low in my retirement. I'm willing to stay within a network of doctors. Um, as long as I don't have to pay an extra monthly premium, I still have to pay my Medicare Part B premium, but no extra premium or very token premium. I'd be in what they call a Medicare Advantage plan. And that's, you know, again, you have to stay within the network of doctors for it to work well for you, uh, but there is no additional monthly premium. So that's kind of the second big decision that people have to make. And, you know, it is hard for someone to try to figure out all these things on their own. So that's kind of where we say, okay, Let's walk you through that whole process, hold your hand the whole way. Where, you know, obviously we're, we're going to provide your contact info and, and folks can tune into our website. But besides us and having an individual expert kind of walk people through this, what other resources are available to, to people to kind of wrap their arms around Medicare and, and the different options? Yeah, I only really go to two places. The Medicare.gov website is all-inclusive. You can pretty much find anything you need on that website. And if it's not there, it's going to be linked to it. So if someone calls me up and says, I'm moving to South Carolina tomorrow, I'll be able to tell you within minutes all of your options just by going through the Medicare.gov website. But in a lot of ways, it's like a fire hose where the water is getting shot at you and, and you're not able to drink because it's so much information, so much water coming at you. So it, it's great. And it's, but it's it's a lot. Um, the other places, the state insurance departments, they have great websites. So you can really, because Medicare is so standardized, 
you can look at a state insurance department website and really find out every single carrier, every cost. So I, I tell people, you know, when I get, to, when someone calls me up and they say, I need to find out something, I can tell them within minutes, just through those two websites, what their situation is. There is no, you know, I don't have to prepare. It's okay, let's find that information. If someone wants to know, okay, I have a procedure and it's kind of random or I have to pick up a, a new piece of durable medical equipment, you can go to the medicare.gov website. And if you know where to go, you can get someone, I can send someone a, a link and say, okay, click on this. It'll tell you exactly how that service or how that piece of equipment is covered. So those are the two places I would tell people, look at it, but don't think it's gonna be an easy read, but, but do make yourself familiar with those two places. Great. I mean, for me, for me, bottom line, you know, I think, you know, my advice is going to be the same to everybody as it is to my existing clients that are exploring Medicare. So just call Jim, uh, just reach yeah, out well, to Jim. Yeah. Jim, Jim, Jim will take care of it for you. And Jim will help walk you through the options and, and make sure that you're taken care of both on the corporate side and on the individual, you know, Medicare side. So Jim, so before I, I take we, it that I confused you. That's a good thing. <laughs> well, listen, I, you know, I just, I stick to my lane and, uh, and that's part of the reason why we have an organization, right? So we have, uh, somebody right. like yourself to, to, to provide that value to, to our client base. Um, but be, before we leave, are there any other things that you want the, the audience to kind of consider any other things that you want the audience to take away from our conversation today? Yeah. And I would say the sooner you start the process, the better. That's the only thing. I mean, I, every once in a while, I'll get a phone call this afternoon for someone who says, oh, I'm retiring on March 1st. And I'll just say, okay, we can, we can get it done, but you really want to do this two months in advance. And you really want to, you know, in a perfect world, I talked to someone a year and a half before they retire. And I say, okay, here's some things you want to think about over the next 18 months. So if the one piece of advice I would give you is, is you can't really start too early. You know, start, you know, every time you go to the doctor, ask the doctor's office, hey, do you see Medicare patients? Do you participate in any Medicare Advantage plan? Because there's a lot of things, it's not an overwhelming amount of research that you have to do, but boy, having a head start makes things a heck of a lot easier. Absolutely. Well, Jim, as always, I appreciate the insight and the information. I know our audience is going to find it really valuable uh, for anybody that's interested in Medicare or you know have parents that are that are exploring their options. Uh, feel free to send them over to uh, the Opus Private Client website. Jim's information is on there. Thank you to the listening audience. We're really excited to, to continue this podcast. Uh, please subscribe below to continue to get notifications when our podcasts come out. And uh, thank you again, Jim. Appreciate it. I hope all is well. Hey, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not issue or advise with regard to Medicare. Yvonne Watanabe, a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. 
Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Compliance Approval 2020-116529 expires February 2023.